Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. Luke 15, verses 1 and 2. And I want to read this in the New International Version. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Amen? These two verses introduce arguably what is one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible. This chapter is pivotal and primary to the very heart of the gospel message. And it introduces a chapter in the Bible, Luke chapter 15, that with three parables or stories are timeless reminders that even though we are now 2,000 years and counting removed from the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that he still is, he still is the world's greatest attraction. And the Bible still is the world's bestseller. I want to share three things in this text and I'll be through as to why he is the world's greatest attraction. First of all, we see in this text, in verse 1, the curious seekers. There was and still is a magnetism about Jesus that drew others to him and near him. Many times these great crowds that gathered around Jesus consisted are people who were castigated and despised and looked down on by the religious establishment. In the first verse of this text, it says that the tax collectors and the publicans, or the tax collectors and sinners, were all gathering around, literally in the original, kept on gathering around to hear him. And these two populations represented the outcast of society, those who many would consider untouchables in Jewish society. They were at the bottom of the pecking order. And yet, the message of Jesus drew them time and time again close to him. These seekers were not only curious because of their quest for him and for his words, but because when you consider that so many saw them as the scum and the scourge of the earth, their questionability, their questionability 
Not just their quest, but that they were a questionable character. A full reading of this gospel will reveal to us who some of these characters were. That was Levi. Levi was a tax collector by vocation and would become one of the original disciples and apostles of Jesus Christ. He was among these curious seekers. But one day Jesus came to town and Levi, later known as Matthew, invited him and members of the local tax association to join him and the Lord for dinner. Levi was in that crowd, a prostitute, a woman of the city who came uninvited to a Pharisee's house where Jesus dined and began to wet his feet with her tears, kiss them with her lips, anoint them with precious perfume, and transform her hair into a bounty towel. She was in that crowd. Perhaps even the woman who had the issue of blood, socially ostracized and ceremonially unclean, and she heard Jesus was in town. She spent all she had trying to get well. No doctor could help her condition. And she said, now Jesus is in town and I hear great things about this teacher, this rabbi. If I can get close enough, if I can get close enough just to feel the fabric, if I can just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment, something might happen inside of me. Jesus came through and, and she touched the hem of his garment and the Bible said that her blood issue dried up. Zacchaeus, the regional tax collector, the supervisor of tax collectors was in this crowd. He heard Jesus was coming to town and the Bible says despite his riches and his status, Something about all of that stuff didn't satisfy him. And he was so intent on seeing Jesus. Can you imagine this little man climbing a sycamore tree? And Jesus saw him up there and said, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down because today I'm going to dine with you. And in the presence of the world's greatest attraction, his heart was touched. And on that very same day, without any pressure, he gave away one half of his estate. And anybody he had taken anything from by hook or by crook, he restored fourfold. I like what Frederick Buchner, who writes a wonderful book called Peculiar Treasures, say about Zacchaeus. He says, he's a sawed-off social disaster with a big bank account and crooked job. But Jesus welcomes him aboard anyway because he stands for us all. You know, often when I'm analyzing a text, I insert myself in the passage. I try to find the character, uh, characters whom I identify with, whose likeness I share. And when I look at this passage, I can easily relate to the tax collectors and the sinners. 
I can easily relate to them because I believe they would sing with me the same song that's in my heart. I heard the voice of Jesus saying, come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus just as I was, weary, worn, and sad. I found, I found, I found in him a resting place found in him a resting place and that has made me glad. Jesus is still the world's greatest attraction because sinners like me are drawn to his redeeming power. So there are the curious seekers. But then there is the critical skeptics. Verse 2a. The religious establishment were both critical and skeptical of Jesus. And nothing raised their indignation, nothing raised their hostility more than this uncustomary fraternizing with tax collectors and sinners. On more than one occasion in the Gospel of Luke, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law murmur The New International Version said, mutter. King James says, murmur. When this happens, in other words, in the original, this is a a word that sounds like what it signifies. The more Jesus hung out with tax collectors and with sinners, the more background noise he heard from the people who thought this kind of behavior was inappropriate. And therefore, the Jewish religious leadership questioned his credentials. They they questioned his claims that he was the son of God. And in this instance, in the text, they now question his character. Because how can a holy man of God hang out with these low-life folk? How can he be found in the company of people Like this, religion is still the greatest opponent of Christianity. Religion is man by man's effort trying to reach up and touch God. That's what religion is. And so when you think about what our ancestors used to sing, have you got good religion? You have to make sure you interpolate that because they weren't talking about a works religion. Good religion to them was what God and only God could do for you. Because Christianity, unlike religion, is God by God's grace and his mercy reaching down and doing for us what we do not deserve and what we cannot do for ourselves. See, church membership is religion. Coming to church every Sunday is just religion if you don't know Jesus. Religion has nothing to offer those who are lost except their own works. But what Jesus offers them is forgiveness and complete restoration. And this made the religious folk mad. I'm so glad that my salvation doesn't depend on anything I've done. Charlotte Elliott was an English woman who lived to be 82 years old. Most of her life, she spent battling poor health. 
When she was 33 years old, a young woman, an evangelist stopped by her home, visiting her family, and he began to witness to her about her condition, a condition that often left her despondent and depressed. He told her, he said, Charlotte, if you want to have a relationship with God, you must come as you are, a sinner, to the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Hearing these words at 33 years old changed her life. She still had challenges with her health, but what the preacher said changed her life. And 14 years later, she sat down at her desk and she wrote these words, just as I am, without, oh, I wish I had a witness, without one plea, but that blood was shed for me and that thou biddest me to come to thee, O Lamb of God. I come, I come. See, in Jewish religion, there was no just as I am provision. You had to bring something. There had to be something you did before you could experience God's mercy and his grace. You know what makes me happy? What gets me excited is when God looks beyond my faults and still blesses me. That's why he's my greatest attraction because it is no secret what God can do. What can wash away my sin? What? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Oh, how precious is that flow that makes me White as snow, no other, no other found. I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. They murmured because Jesus hung out with folk that they looked down on. So there is the curious seekers, verse one, the first part of verse two. We have the critical skeptics. But in the second part of verse 2, we have the compassionate Savior. I love the way Eugene Peterson phrases verse 2. He says, the Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased. Not at all pleased. They growled. They growled. He take in sinners and eat meals with them, treating them like old friends. God will use the words that people throw at you to diminish and to criticize you. And he had turned them around for good. There was a mean-spiritedness about what they said and how they said it. But in reality, they weren't making an accusation. They were actually making an affirmation. Because even without any prompting, they just shared in the second part of verse 2 why he still is the world's greatest attraction. And that's because he treats us like old friends. 
That's because he will come alongside of you and walk with you, talk with you, tell you that you are his child. It's why he's still the world's greatest attraction because he commends his love to us while we're yet sinners. And Christ died for us because when mother, father forsake us, then the Lord will take us up. He still is a friend that stick closer than a brother. The rest of the chapter deals with how and why he is the world's greatest attraction. He's like a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. And one of them get lost. But he loves the sheep so much that he leaves the 99. And he goes through the woods, thorns and stick thistles, getting cut and bruised, trying to find the one sheep that was lost. And when he found him, he put him on his shoulder. There are times in my life when I couldn't carry myself. Thank God he loved me so much. He didn't kick me when I was down. He put me on his shoulders. He put me on his shoulders and brought me back to the fold. And when he got back to the fold, he called all my spiritual neighbors in, called faith in, hope, and love, and said, we're going to have a party for my child, because my child was lost, but now he found uh, somebody lost this morning, and I want you to know there is an attraction. You won't see it on Broadway, but on a hill uh, called Calvary, Oh, they stretched him wide. They dropped him low, and they hung him high. And he died. Didn't he die for me? And he died. He died for you, too. And I'm so glad uh, he's still the world's greatest attraction. He's like a woman who had ten coins. She lost one of those coins, and she would not be satisfied with it being lost. And so she turned her house upside down, swept her house inside out till she found the coin. And when she found the coin, uh, she took a few other coins and went down to the local market and got some party stuff and called her friends in and said, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a good time uh, because the coin I lost, uh, I found it again. And then he's like a father who had two sons and one of those sons went into a far country and wasted everything his dad had given him on riotous living. But one day the son said, uh, I don't have to live this way. Uh, I'm going to go back home and see my father. And my father's house 
house. Uh, the hired servants lived better than I'm living. Uh, and when he got back home, his father didn't meet him when I told you so. His father ran and hugged him, uh, put his arms around him, uh, and said, we're going to have a feast uh, because this, my son, uh, uh, he was lost because uh, my child was lost. But now he found. So I'm so glad to stand and tell you today uh, that the world's greatest attraction is not in Egypt, uh, some lost pyramid. Uh, it's not the Niagara Falls. Uh, it's not the Grand Canyon. Uh, it's not Tabor Mountain uh, or the Cape of Good Hope. Uh, I do have a witness. Uh, never was the Empire State Building uh, or the Twin Towers. Uh, no longer in existence, but the world's greatest attraction, the world's greatest attraction uh, was born in a stable uh, in Bethlehem. Uh, they wrapped him up uh, in swaddling clothes uh, and hide him in the manger. Uh, the world's greatest attraction uh, uh, stood up in the midst uh, of a stormy sea uh, and said, peace be still. Uh, the world's greatest attraction took a few loaves of bread uh, and a few small fish uh, and fed 5,000 men, uh, not counting women or children. The world's greatest attraction uh, is a doctor in a sick room, uh, a lawyer in a courtroom. The world's greatest attraction will put food on your table, clothes on your back. Uh, world's greatest attraction if you stretch out on him. Say, Father, I stretch my hand. He'll pick you up. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.